and that is the easiest advice to give and the hardest advice to take. What's your take on this advice right now? Oh, I, I think it's probably the best advice ever. I'm Pepe Lyle. I don't do fluff. I don't do filler. I don't do emojis. What I do is study winners in B2B SaaS because I want to know how much is strategy, how much is luck, and how do they win? First up, Nathan Barry, founder and CEO of ConvertKit. Email marketing is one of the most saturated spaces of all time. G2 lists over 460 tools to choose from. The amount of competition is nuts and it's growing fast. So how are you going to stand out? How are you going to win? In this episode, we'll talk about the importance of picking a niche. You gotta choose something, choose one group. The value of not playing the features game. We can focus better and so we can make something that is really compelling. And the power of focusing on your long-term mission. I think of it from the mission side of things. If you're doing it for the benefits, then you shouldn't. Let's get into it. I was trying to solve a specific problem. The exact problem that I wanted to solve is I was selling eBooks online specifically about designing iPhone applications. And I want an easy way to give away like a sample chapter and then send a series of emails timed to convince you to like come back and buy the book. And that was totally a pain to set up um, in MailChimp and others. Uh, like there just weren't tools for that. So you came uh, out with like a feature-based differentiation. It's easier to do drip campaigns with ConvertKit. Exactly. And so the early messaging was was all around feature-based things. And part of the reason is that I didn't want to narrow the market. If I went for a specific use case or something like that, then I'd be, I felt like I was excluding people. And everyone would say like, choose a niche. And that is the easiest advice to give and the hardest advice to take. What's your take on this advice right now? Oh, I, I think it's probably the best advice ever. You need to know the answer to the question. Who is the kind of person who cares a lot about what we do? If you aren't objectively better than your competition, and if you can't buy your way into people's consideration set, then you need to take a fundamentally differentiated position in the market. It was actually my friend, Tim Grawl, who I think it was like 18 months into running the business that he kind of called me out on it. And he was like, hey, you gotta like choose something, choose one group. Cause right now you're, you're for everybody why don't you just do MailChimp, but specifically for one group of people? And the first group that we tried was authors, a group of people, they had a blog, they were monetizing the blog, you know, not just through uh, sponsorships or ads, but also through products that they were selling. People like Chris Gillibo or Tim Ferriss in the early days. Two things happened right away. One, we got a lot of attention. Like it worked. People were like, oh, email marketing for authors. Like, great. How can I help you? And you're like, oh, well, I'm looking for new customers. And you're like, oh. Then they go, oh, I know five authors. Let me introduce you. But where we ran into trouble is it ended up being a whole bunch of like wannabe authors who their dream was to maybe someday publish a book on the Kindle store or something like that. And I went, oh, a niche is amazing. And then I realized this is the wrong niche. <laughs> we renamed it to email marketing for professional bloggers. It was the same audience I was trying to reach. I just used different terms to make that happen. And that's when we started getting these people who had like maybe 10, 20, 50,000 people on an email list who understood the balance between sponsorships, selling digital products, you know, wanted to tag their subscribers. And that's when it really started to resonate. Got it. 
at the time, were you also actively looking at your competition? Like which target audience are they going after? Because you don't want to overlap and things like that. Yeah, well, the biggest competition at the time, there were three, you know, obviously MailChimp is ubiquitous, still is. And it was like anything that we pick will be within MailChimp's, you know, under their umbrella or whatever. They have the market penetration, so nobody even cares who they're actively going after. It's just like, I've heard of MailChimp, so that's what I'm going to use. Let's be clear. Market penetration is far more important than differentiation. MailChimp is the category leader. They don't need to be different. Amazon and Shopify don't need to be different. The category kings don't need to be different. Everyone else needs to be different from them. Aweber and Infusionsoft were the other two that we heard about most commonly. None of them were doing market-based positioning. They were all doing you know, either so broad like MailChimp or they were doing feature-based positioning. And so I think we had a, a big advantage in going uh, market-based. And so when did the bloggers evolve into creators and why? We definitely had people who we thought of as bloggers who said, like, I don't think of myself as a blogger. Take uh, Pat Flynn from Smart Passive Income. Is he a blogger or a podcaster? Maybe first he was more of a blogger and now he's more of a podcast. Like, who knows? But if you expand the circle a little bit, then you don't have to make that distinction. We would do direct outreach. So we'd make lists of customers who are on ConvertKit who are successful. And then we'd go after other people in their space. So like, imagine email marketing for paleo recipe bloggers who are women. As, as marketing campaigns or as your overall positioning? Or... That was individual marketing campaigns. In some cases, we made industry pages related to those, or like small tweaks on one, you know, one template. It's really easy to swap out some headlines and feature testimonial. But then what would happen is like when I do cold outreach, you know, using like nerdy data or built with, I'd scrape the web for people who are using MailChimp, Aweber, et cetera. And then I'd email them and say, hey, I see that you're using MailChimp. I'm curious, is there anything frustrating you about it? The reason I ask is I run ConvertKit. It's an email marketing platform for professional bloggers used by, and then I try to name drop the most relevant names that the broader market wouldn't know or care about, but I knew that they knew because they're in the same like fitness or workout blogging community, or they're both our men's fashion bloggers in New York. And it's like, I know you know this person. And so that would let me go out, basically take one or two customers that were successful and sort of draw a circle wider around them. And those campaigns really worked really well. We started that in the very beginning of 2015, and we were at 2,000 a month in revenue. And by the end of that year, we were at 100,000 a month in revenue. These were like cold email campaigns or ads or? Cold email campaigns. I would send them personally. I have never been a fan of like bulk mail merge tools or anything like that for outbound email. I don't know. I think it's sleazy. But if you're researching, like scraping a list and then researching each person and, and like making a pitch for each one, you know, I think that that works really well. So when you adopted this ConvertKit is for creators, was it just that, hey, this is a you know nice way to say who we're for? Or did it also come with some product decisions like, let's build a 10x solution for this particular audience? You know, it wasn't a huge pivot. It was just the natural evolution. There are things like, you know, we built in direct integrations with YouTube and, and Instagram and other platforms so that you could pull media from plenty of places. Another thing would be like building out our landing pages product. 
because we found that a lot of creators would have like a YouTube channel and not actually have a website, which was super interesting or like Instagram, but no website, or maybe they're just using Linktree or something. So there's no way to, to grow a list. And so by adding the landing page part, it went from like, you have to be a blogger to use the tool to your entire web presence. If it's relatively simple, could be on ConvertKit because so many people are building, building big audiences without a blog. So it's important to add that part of it. A lot of tools in the email marketing category are still playing the feature scheme. I have, you have X features, I have X plus one. You don't play that game. In fact, I would say that you have less features than most people in this category. So you've made some tr strategic trade-off choices there. Uh, tell me about those. One of our customers, a couple named Seth and Katie Spears, who run a, a blog called wellnessmama.com. Seven or 800,000 subscribers, and they're wildly successful. Hey guys, I'm Katie. Today I'm gonna to show you how I naturally whiten my teeth with activated charcoal. And it's important to know activated charcoal and charcoal from the barbecue grill are not the same thing. And Seth said this line to me at a conference. He's like, yeah, ConvertKit is the power of Infusionsoft, but easier to use than MailChimp. And that was like a throwaway comment that he just used to describe it. And I was like, sorry, Seth, what did you just say? Like, repeat that to me. And he repeated it and I wrote it down. And we use that in so many campaigns, cold emails and everything. And so what that line allowed us to do is perfectly bracket ourselves in the market. You cannot compete in features. At most, it's a short-term transient advantage. If you have features that the market wants, you can be sure that others will copy. You maybe have one or two years of head start. If you want to compete on features and capabilities, you need to be a consistent innovator, always two steps ahead of everyone else. Very few can pull it off. Be totally unapologetic about not playing that game. Flaunt your flaws, be proud of your age cases, say, hey, we're not for everybody. You need to repel some to attract others. Aiming to be liked by everyone means that nobody will love you. Then there were other things like Pat Flynn when he published a, a blog post. Hey, what's up everybody? Pat Flynn here from smartpassiveincome.com. And in this video, I'm gonna give you a quick demo of ConvertKit, a brand new email service provider that I've started using that I've fallen in love with. He published why I switched from Aweber to Infusionsoft to ConvertKit. And that ended up being really important. So it was kind of like you were piggybacking off of known brands and people had yep. certain ideas associated with those. Yeah, exactly. And what was interesting is we were able to like execute on that promise of like the power of X with the simplicity of Y because it was only for the narrow market segment of Z, of creators or professional bloggers. So whereas Infusionsoft or uh, MailChimp or others had to build this feature set of like, here's the CRM functionality, or like, I just got off the phone with a client, let me log info about this deal. They had to maintain all of that. We could just say, oh, we're just not building any of those features because the professional bloggers, the creators, they don't care about that. And so we're able to be really opinionated about the features that we build. So what's interesting, you know, you mentioned not playing the feature game. I think we can play it better than they can in our market. We can focus better. And so we can make something that is really compelling. And people can legitimately say like, oh, this is, I'm able to do things in ConvertKit 
that I couldn't do in MailChimp in Active Campaign. And other companies can say like, yeah, but here's all these things that you can do in our tool that you can't do in ConvertKit. And we can be like, great. Creators don't care about this. Those, that's not the use case. Exactly. So that, that's a, just a beautiful, beautiful way to differentiate. So you double down on a, let's call it a niche or, or an audience that yeah. you're going after. And then in terms of features, you'll also differentiate product-wise by building, let's call it a 10x solution for the needs of that particular audience. Yeah. There are other interesting things going on because you can run up to the, against the limits of a product in a few different ways. So one is you need to have more functionality, like more advanced automation functionality. But another is like the depth, going from like a beginner creator to a really large audience. And so we were able to say, within this group, we can support the brand new creator who's paying us $29 a month and the Tim Ferriss's and James Clears of the world, her wellness mama, you know, her sending like 500,000, a million, 2 million subscribers. Whereas Infusionsoft was like, look, the small business, you know, I, I, they probably think of like a plumbing company with, you know, 25 trucks or something like that as their ideal customer. It's like, they're never going to have hundreds of thousands of subscribers. So they're able to go broad in that small business market and we can ignore it and go deep in the creator market. So what are some of the feature sets where that you have now further developed uh, besides being able to handle the deliverability of large email lists, what, what other choices have you made? Let's say we're, we're queuing up a launch email and it goes out to 500,000 people and you immediately start getting those replies back and be like, ah, the link's broken. And you're like, shoot. You know, it's every every marketer's <laughs> worst nightmare. Yes, like, what did everybody I just has do? lived that. Well, in ConvertKit, you can actually just jump in and change the link on that email. Like you just go into the broadcast that's already been sent and you change the destination of, of the link. Because it hits our servers first, right? For link tracking and all of that. And so why don't we just point it to the correct place that you intended to in the first place? Ah, fucking brilliant. <laughs> so I think there's things like that where because we're so deeply embedded in this use case and we've all done it, I think you come up with stuff like that when you focus really deeply on one, like a, one audience. Totally. Our mission is that we exist to help creators earn a living. And so it's this like deep care and passion for the creator industry. And so a lot of our marketing is around storytelling and is around like elevating creators, whether it's a case study or stories of your customers, stories of our customers. Exactly. My name is Glow and I'm a travel blogger. We are coaches, writers, and podcasters. I am a cartoonist, a teacher, and a community leader, and I'm a creator. And I'm a creator. And I'm also a creator. As you go through the homepage of ConvertKit, you'll see it's all individual creators rather than like screenshots of features. So it's very storytelling driven, like your favorite creators, favorite marketing tool. And then when you're like, hey, what tool should I use? Like for example, if you're a musician and you're up and coming, you're like, oh, what should I use? And it's like, oh, well, Tim McGraw uses ConvertKit. Then people go, oh, well, if it's good enough for Tim McGraw, it's good enough for me. And so really taking that like brand storytelling, creator driven uh, approach to, to everything. Oh, that's great. I don't know too much about it, but, but what I do know is that you're known for transparency. Is that a central piece of your brand? Yeah, transparency is core for us. You know, all of our metrics are public. You can go to convertkit.bearmetrics.com and see we're at 27.4 million ARR. It'll probably say like updated 27 minutes ago or something like that. You can see our churn, customer growth, all of those things are right there. 
people always ask, like, should I put all of my metrics public? Is that a good idea? Should I be that transparent? And I think if you're doing it for the benefits, then you shouldn't. I think of it from the mission side of things. We exist to help creators earn a living. Often that means, you know, bloggers, podcasters, musicians, but I mean like startup founders and SaaS companies as well. It's like leaving breadcrumbs and not just like the random ones in a press release every 18 months as you're trying to piece together a story, but like you have all the data that I have, you know, my hope is that it'll inspire, like inspire founders, give them tangible, like concrete details. I like to put as much information out there as possible because I want to help through the the tool that we're selling, but then also the story and the data. That uh, decision from like day one was like in your DNA or did that come later? It was from day one. The most useful blog posts that I've ever read were ones that had concrete numbers in them. Now it's like a meme of building in public or something. Now it's like uh, public masturbation. It's like, look at me, how much money, I'm, how we're, everything is great and we're growing and everybody loves us. Transparency takes serious commitment. It builds trust. It can be a reason for people to choose your brand. And your brand is one of the best modes you have. I'm sure Nathan thinks about modes all the time. I don't spend a lot of time thinking about moats. Hmm. Email is an interesting space in that it's painful to switch tools and that both helps us and hurts us. It hurts us in getting people to move over to us, right? So that was an important thing to have like a concierge migrations team who will do the whole switch for you for free. That's done really well for us. But it, it does serve as a moat on the other side of people are hesitant to leave. A year ago, we launched ConvertKit Commerce. So you can sell digital products and, you know, coaching and eBooks and songs and all of that directly through ConvertKit rather than through a, a third party. And so that keeps more of it on the platform, makes it easier to set up. And so I think that is going to turn into more of a moat, especially because then we're the tool that people are using to earn money, not just spend money on, you know, paying for your $50 a month for 3000 subscribers or whatever. You're actually earning that money. But otherwise, I don't spend a ton of time thinking about moats. But I would say brand is probably the one that we're most actively building. You have uh, stated publicly that you know it's your goal to get to 100 million ARR. So how are you going to get there? What are, what are you betting on? Well, like one big bet that we made, we launched early last year, is moving to a free plan and a freemium model. And basically the idea with moving to freemium is that people would be able to just start on ConvertKit and grow rather than starting on MailChimp or some other platform that was free and then later graduating from that platform to ConvertKit. We've had about 340,000 creators sign up for the free plan. We run like a 4 to 5% free-to-paid conversion rate. Commerce is another big bet. Looking at companies like Teachable, Shopify. I mean, Squarespace's S1 just came out. Like, Commerce is doing very well for, for Squarespace. Um, well, like, let's take Teachable as an example. Since they added Teachable payments, they've grown like crazy. And so now their payments revenue represents almost as much revenue as their like subscription SaaS revenue. And Shopify, you know, very similar things are true for them. So like, I think that's going to be a huge thing for us is in processing around payments. We'll not only get that moat and more of that lock-in and a better user experience, but it, I, think, I think when we're at 100 million ARR, I bet... 40 million of that a year, maybe more, will be payments revenue. Well, I'll be uh, tuning in with you then to see whether that bet paid off. 
Thanks so much, Nathan, for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, what were the three key strategic decisions ConvertKit made in order to grow and succeed? One, they picked a niche. They didn't say, hey, we're email marketing for everyone. They said ConvertKit is email marketing for paleo recipe bloggers who are women. Two, they didn't play the features game. They got clear on a very specific audience and doubled down to build a 10x solution for their chosen niche. Well, in ConvertKit, you can actually just jump in and change the link on that email. Ah, fucking brilliant. Three, they focused on their long-term mission, not short-term trends or gimmicks. Our mission is that we exist to help creators earn a living. For ConvertKit, differentiation is baked into their DNA as a company and as a brand. That's how you win. For more tips on how to win, follow me on LinkedIn or Twitter.